Hello and welcome to another episode of Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to review the bogus Bond films so that you don't have to. My name's Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh hi Mark. Good evening. For new listeners, if you don't know what we do here, we take two films that are similar in genre or franchise and two films that aren't necessarily very good and compare them to each other, what's good, what's really bad and uh, decide which is the better bad film. Last episode that we did, it was a Turkish special, uh, as I'd just gotten back from Turkey. We reviewed the Turkish versions of Star Wars and Rambo. Quite difficult films for you to find online, uh, to be fair, but um, people did seem to find it funny us talking about it, so if you want to hear more about what the how the Turkish have interpreted the Star Wars and the Rambo franchises, check out the last episode that we did. But uh, today we are back to uh, films that are much easier for you to see and films that you probably will have seen. It is a James Bond special. Mm. Uh, we'll be reviewing Moonraker and Die Another Day. Are you a big fan of the Bond films, Mark? I'd say I'm a moderate fan of the Bond films. Seen a few? I just don't think I've seen all of them, but I've seen a, a reasonable number of them. Who's your favourite Bond? Probably Roger Moore. That's the correct answer. <laughs> um, it's close between him and Sean Connery, really. Yeah. But I prefer... I really like The Man with the Golden Gun and The Spy Who Loved Me. and Yeah. I just think he's the most suave and sophisticated Bond. And um, even when his films are terrible, he can still kind of get away with it because yeah. he's Roger Moore and he's camp and he's ludicrous <laughs> and not really trying to be serious anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, my favourite Bond uh, as well, which is why I've gone for Moonraker uh, rather than perhaps Diamonds Are Forever, which is also a terrible Sean Connery film or, um, you know, some of the more pants Pierce Brosnan ones. There are other ones, but Moonraker and Die Another Day, a Roger Moore and a Pierce Brosnan entry. So first we'll get into uh, Moonraker. That's from 1979. If you remember the end of The Spy Who Loved Me, it actually said that James Bond would return in uh, For Your Eyes Only. Ah. But uh, what happened, much like Turkish Star Wars, is that Star Wars happened. (laughs) (laughs) And... um, the film studios decided how oh, we got to get a piece of this action. Mm. So um, they actually uh, jigged around the production and adapted Moonraker instead, which is also an Ian Fleming uh, book as well. The budget of this film was $34 million, which is more than the first six Bond films combined. Wow. So that's all of Sean Connery's films <laughs> combined on a, a, a patch on the budget of this film. <laughs> But yeah, Moonraker opens here with Boeing 747 uh, flying at at some height with uh, the Moonraker shuttle just sort of piggybacking on top of it. (laughs) That's what's happening. And uh, the Moonraker shuttle is hijacked um, by some some bad guys. At the same time, our James Bond, Roger Moore, is uh, on a sort of a more private jet and uh, he's on his last legs... (laughs) No, he's not dying. He's having a feel of a lovely lady. Um, but Perfect uh, transition. Between. Yeah. He's double-crossed by this air hostess with the lovely legs. He's forced to skydive out of the plane, quickly followed by Jaws, who has mm. returned from The Spy Who Loved Me. The only henchman to, uh, to appear in two, uh, in two Bond films, uh, back-to-back, and certainly played by the same actor. Mm. Are you uh, familiar with Jaws from his, from his work in The Spy Who Loved Me? Yeah. Yeah, he was uh, on the train, and uh, Bond sticks a lamp in his mouth, and it kind of electrocutes his metal teeth. That's it, That's yeah. That's like the main bit I remember. <laughs> and there's a bit with sharks as well at the end yeah, of that film, yeah. where uh, he, he fights a shark. So straight away we've got a really impressive and probably really expensive scene here, where James Bond and Jaws skydive. They free fall all the way down from this aeroplane, 
obviously this is not the actors it's at any point really and this is stuntmen and they wrestle until eventually Jaws goes flying into a circus yeah. and then we get the opening credits mm. another return here Shirley Bassey has come back for one more Bond theme yeah. this is a third Bond theme and undoubtedly the worst that she's done one of the one of the worst ones overall I would say or maybe just forgettable but uh, it's obviously it's no Goldfinger and it's no um, Diamonds Are Forever in terms of it's how iconic and memorable those themes are. I think they pushed Bassey too far and she didn't have a third one in here really. Yeah, I can't remember already and I watched this film last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a bit where she goes, A moonraker. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to go Diamonds Are Forever and yeah, replace it with Moonraker. Well, most of, most of those themes, like they say the name of the film in a really memorable way, like yeah. Golden Eye. Yeah. Or Goldfinger, but this one, Moonraker. Ah. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's completely forgettable, like you say. We get our usual uh, opening trawl where uh, Bond goes to CQ, uh, the quartermaster, and uh, gives him some gadgets. It, again, it's usually a watch. In both of these films, it's a watch that he gets given, at the very least. And this one fires darts, both cyanide-tipped and armor-piercing. Loads of exposition here about what the plot of this film is going to be. There's basically there's a guy called Hugo Drax who is going to be the Bond villain for this film. Again, a pretty forgettable Bond villain as well. Yeah, I've I, already forgotten his face. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> this guy. I've seen this film before. He's weird. He's such a forgettable Bond villain, but his ultimate goal is to wipe out everybody on Earth, hmm. pretty much. So he, he's arguably the most evil of Bond villains. But he, he runs things out of California, and really his, his goal here is the conquest of space. Bond is introduced to our Bond girl in this film, who is Dr. Goodhead. One of the more, one of the less subtle um, <laughs> dick jokes in in, a, in the Bond franchise, Doctor Goodhead. It's such, it's such a, a massive dick joke on its own that he doesn't even feel the need to really make any more yeah. jokes. On well, it. Why add to it? Ah, Goodhead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and when it, also when he's introduced to Doctor Goodhead, he looks. He goes, "I'm looking for Doctor Goodhead," and she's like, "Yes, you found her." And he's like disgusted straight away. <laughs> a woman, <laughs> and she's like, "Yes, oh god, a female doctor." I can't believe it, a woman. <laughs> but then obviously he starts thinking, "Oh, hang on, I I, I know what I can do with women." <laughs> um, but yeah, she takes him for some astronaut training because it's one of the things that Drax does in his uh, in his corporation here. And we get this really memorable scene for me. I've always remembered this scene where he gets put in the centrifuge chamber. It's probably the most memorable scene of the whole film. It's really great, yeah. And he, he gets to go round and round and experience G-Force in the way that astronauts would if they were in outer space. We've all seen this device before in other things. Yeah. You know, when Homer Simpson wants to become an astronaut, he has to go through it as well. Yeah. When he's going through it, uh, an, an evil Asian man tampers with the controls <laughs> and uh, makes it go 10 times as fast as you're meant to go and, yeah. and, and messes with his face and everything like that next up uh, we go to Venice where I think most of my favourite stuff in the film happens here in Venice he goes to a glass workshop he sees a lovely lady on the front desk <laughs> and uh, she says do you see anything you like he's well I'm tempted to say yes immediately but <laughs> I guess I'd better take a look around and she says oh that's fine Go anywhere you like. So the next scene, he's just wandering about in like the, the foundry in the workshop watching people blow glass. It's like, <laughs> this isn't a thing in, in shops. Go anywhere you like. Oh, 
there's a, a really weird shot of, of Roger Moore standing behind this glass sort of bulb and it makes his head look really massive. <laughs> Speaking of head, it's good head again. <laughs> she's in the glass workshop. What are you doing here? And uh, she explains she's come to do some sort of astronaut talk because she also works for NASA. But you know, we know that's probably not true. And he's trying to track down these um, sort of hexagonal uh, glass tubing that he that he saw the schematics for at Drax's uh, in Drax's mansion. It, it goes really crazy here. So basically, Bond gets in a gondola um, and starts just being you know pushed through through the the canals of Venice. But it, it just it already gets mental. A guy um, comes out of a coffin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a funeral gondola drives past. I, I had no idea there were there was such a thing as a funeral gondola. The presumably dead body pops out of the coffin and starts shooting him. So he shoots him and then he falls back in the coffin. So that's that. And then the 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 funeral gondola, which is meant to be a normal thing in Venice, goes under a low bearing bridge, which knocks the coffin into the water. <laughs> And then as the coffin's, like, floating past, we get this completely irrelevant shot of an old man looking over the bridge and just coughing loads. He's, like, smoking a fag, and he's like... And he looks at the coffin, and he keeps walking. What? What's that? It's insane. Then we come up to a part of the... I didn't know they had traffic lights in Venice either. But um, he comes up to some traffic lights of gondolas and there's a bit of a malfunction. He cuts right through some guy's gondola. Oh, yeah. And it's just the guy with the pole, the like, the driver, I guess. Trying to stay afloat. Like. <laughs> he's just slowly sinking and his face, he pulls, is... He might be the best actor in the film. <laughs> he's going down and he's like... Oh, oh. It's, it's brilliant. If you can find that scene... And the other half of the boat has the couple, and they're just yeah sinking as well. Couple are just getting off with each other, <laughs> floating away. As if that wasn't ridiculous enough, it gets more ridiculous. Um, Bond arrives at the sort of steps of this square, and he goes to his control panel. I don't know if you got a good look at this control panel. I paused it. Uh, there are a number of buttons. One button for turbo. One button for skirt. <laughs> I didn't notice that. So he, pu- he pushes the turbo button and the gondola turns into a hovercraft. And he pushes the skirt button and this little sort of s- skirting comes out of the hovercraft as well. And he just goes... <laughs> I think there are three, je- uh, three Roger Moore films in a row where he does something ludicrous and then it cuts to a guy that's drinking who then like looks at the bottle and looks back at the scene and, as if to say, like, oh, man... I've got to stop drinking. It happens in every, it happened in uh, Spy Who Loved Me when he comes out of the water in the car. Yeah. There's a guy looking at a, like a bottle that has like triple X on it and goes like, oh. <laughs> oh no, no. So that happens. There's the famous double take pigeon pigeon that just like they they manipulate the footage to make it look like the pigeon is is like doing a double take, but not really. <laughs> There's a waiter that's just pouring like beer down someone's shoulder because he's distracted. <laughs> Yeah, this all happens in about a minute and a half. I had to rewind yeah. a few times. It's all like like raucous slapstick carry on sort of stuff. Like yeah. it's it's not the sort of stuff you usually get in a Bond film, even even the campier ones. Driving but, um, a boat along concrete while all this ridiculous stuff happens around him. Yeah, it it was very um, comedic, and um, I kind of liked it just because it was so much at once. He naturally goes to have a drink with with a lovely lady, mm. meeting up with Goodhead again. She's also got gadgets, so she's also a bit of a secret agent. And she says that maybe 
they should pool their resources, mm. which means have sex. <laughs> Um, and to do this, they need to go off to Rio de Janeiro. So we're off again. London to California to Venice and now to Rio. You can see why this film cost $34 million. <laughs> uh, next up is uh, probably the most famous scene in this film, the cable car scene. Um, so this is where Bond and Goodhead are looking to take a cable car from sort of one point here down to a, down to a sort of rock in the sea. And um, when they're halfway down, Jaws goes up to the control room and starts chomping through the, the cables um, so that they'll plummet to their death. The cables in this scene are made of licorice. That's how he's able to bite them. That's trivia. Once, once he bites through the cables, Jaws ends up climbing into the cable car and they have a bit of a fight in the cable car. Bond is like, I know, let's go on top of the cable car. That'll be better. There's a bit where Bond says, like, explains to... The woman, like, really bluntly, his name's Jaws, he kills people. Yeah, yeah, he does, he's killed quite a few people by this point, yeah. Um, but just before uh, Jaws is about to get them in the cable car, um, really ridiculously, Bond gets this chain around the cable and they do a zip line. Yeah. Like from all the way at the top, all the way to just a nice, like, grassy outcrop where they can sort of have a bit of a lie down and a, and a relax. But Jaws stays in the cable car and it smashes into the station at the other end mm. and he's sort of trapped under this massive wheel and you think oh that's it for Jaws then and then this sort of tiny blonde woman with pigtails <laughs> turns up quite strong she helps to lift this metal wheel off of Jaws and then you get the classic da, 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 da. they immediately fall in love they fall in love at first sight and straight away you see the humanity of Jaws. <laughs> he falls in love with this girl. Uh, I believe the character's called Dolly. And off they go. So that's them done for a while. Bond and, and Goodhead then are abducted by evil paramedics on the mountainside. Oh, yeah. They're able to escape from this ambulance here. And then it, it turns into a cowboy film for two or three minutes. Yeah. Um, Bond is on a pon- in a poncho on a horseback. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Bond is Clint Eastwood. And it's spaghetti western music. And he's on a horse. And you're like, what the fuck has happened? Where are we meant to be now? Either this is meant to be Brazil still? I don't know. <laughs> but then we realise he's actually heading to an MI6 um, sort of headquarters in Brazil. Or wherever, wherever we are. Mm. And there's quite this quite funny monastery. Where there were like monks doing karate on each other. And there's monks firing lasers at the wall and stuff like that, which is quite funny. Any of these sort of headquarter scenes are always always funny stuff going on in the background. Yeah. And in Q's there as well. And Bond walks up to Q and goes, Balls, Q? <laughs> <laughs> because Q has got, I don't know, what they what are they called? The, the things where you have like balls attached to string and it's like what cowboys use. Yeah, um, but they explode. <laughs> but they explode because they're, they're the grenades, I guess. Yeah. Straight away, then we're over to the Amazon. Um, we get a speedboat chase, which is pretty cool. Um, we start to get, finally, we start to get like your uniformed jumpsuit henchmen that you get in Bond films. Color-coded jumpsuit henchmen. Yeah. So some of these boats are manned by people who are wearing these sort of banana yellow jumpsuits. <laughs> and weird sort of amateur boxing headgear, um, which is never explained. Perhaps in the previous films, many henchmen have sort of been undone by head injuries <laughs> so Drax has thought I know we'll, we'll pop them in a little helmet this time yeah some of these speedboats have the uh, facility to let like little spiky mines at the back 
and then some of them have people just shooting a mortar and trying to take out each other. It's, it seems like a quite a cool little video game here where everyone's in a speedboat and they've got loads of weapons yeah. and they have to take each other out. It's quite fun. Imagine this being a level if this game, if this film were made into a game, it'd be making a great level. Well, part of this film did make it into a game because we're coming up to the uh, the pyramid complex. Of course, yeah. But before then, James Bond has a hang glider that pops out of his speedboat, which is able to take him sort of up and over the waterfall. But unfortunately, Jaws in one of the boats doesn't have a hang glider or anything, and he goes over the fall, so he's dead again. That's the end of him, surely. Yeah, again. <laughs> um, so Bond is just wandering around the jungle now, um, and we come across the yeah the ruins in the jungle. So if people are familiar with the GoldenEye game, this is one of the best levels in that game, is the sort of Aztec pyramid complex yeah. and it, it is quite recognisable from from that game. A lot of effort being put into this set as well, I could see a lot of the money went into this this set and the, the fake statues of Aztec sort of gods and stuff like that, I thought it was really good mm. really good effort. As soon as Bond gets there he's confronted with I guess maybe Amazonians uh, women, basically yeah. women from every sort of uh, every part of the world, every sort of race, like about a dozen women just surrounding him and he's like oh, here we go here we go but he ends up getting attacked by a massive like boa constrictor and yeah. having to wrestle it in the water pushed into a pool and just yeah it's not the se- it. it's not the sexy time he was expecting constricted so here are Drax <laughs> and Jaws in the Aztec pyramid ruins and we sort of get a bit of his master plan here Drax now it's it's quite confusing I don't know if you got a, a, a good sense of it what he wants to do is sort of sterilize planet Earth from outer space, mm. or he wants to go up. He wants to take loads of really good-looking people into outer space onto this Moonraker station, and then jettison loads of globes of gas back to Earth to kill all the people who he thinks are somehow impure or like not worthy. Imperfect. Yeah, imperfect. Yeah. And then him and all his sort of beautiful young people will return. Repopulate the earth. But it's it's weird because it's not even a case of like it's not even race sort of based because there are there are people of all different like races here. Yeah. They're all good looking and young. <laughs> I mean apart from him, he's not. He's like he's like a middle aged guy. But I guess they're just all healthy and I don't know yeah. I don't know what his criteria are. It's this weird like it's this weird vision of like it's it's not really the master race it's just about a hundred people who are like quite buff <laughs> and some some nice women in miniskirts like this will be the future of earth this is what will come back and everyone from here on then will be beautiful because everyone making the future will be beautiful <laughs> it's a strange i think he's just a bit of a perv really um i think he wants to he wants to be in charge of this um repopulation project and it's just a bit weird i didn't get a sense of what his master plan was but what i did understand is that he wanted to kill you know 99 percent of people on the earth yeah which is about as high as it gets in terms of villainy <laughs> um especially in bond films they don't usually they want to like get rich or they want to like um have diamonds and oil and harness the power of the sun but like this is like no i want to kill almost everybody on the planet <laughs> Fair play. Um, stakes are high in this one. <laughs> it's sort of a Noah's Ark concept because it was sort of two by two going onto the shuttle and there's a bit where you see two ginger people kissing. <laughs> so he's even happy with gingers <laughs> in the future master race. Like, it's strange. What is his criteria? I don't understand. <laughs> 
<laughs> we just don't have time to find out really what that is and it's not in the book I, I, I guarantee that so lots of rockets get shot into outer space from the uh, from the depths of the Amazon um, with lots of beautiful people and they're all going up to the space station uh, this is when uh... so this is where it gets super Star Wars as you'd expect um, everything's in zero gravity everybody's in a spacesuit this sort of 2001 music when the space station is turning mm. it's it's sort of a pastiche of lots of sci-fi films of the 70s really Drax starts launching these globes that have got gas in them that are going to hit various points in the earth and, and gas everyone to death it's around this time that Jaws does what, what would be known in wrestling as a baby face turn he turns into a good guy from a bad yeah. guy really quickly <laughs> he's like pushing people around he's like grabbing Bond and then Bond says well I wonder what your uh, what your vision of a perfect future will be, and what will happen to anyone who's, who you don't think is perfect. Jaws realizes. And Jaws is like, "Hang on, <laughs> I'm ugly as fuck. What am I gonna do?" <laughs> uh, and then Dr- Drax starts snapping at him, and he realizes, "Yes, it's true. I I am ugly. I will not be allowed to to continue in the future race." So it all kicks off. Then we get lots of my my favorite stuff in Bond films, which is henchmen plummeting off of walkways <laughs> wouldn't be a bond film if that didn't happen no. so lots of yellow jumpsuited henchmen just going <laughs> over over these walkways bond manages to find like the emergency stop button to stop the entire space station <laughs> rotating <laughs> i don't know why this exists or what, what possible benefit this could have for Drax, but there is a button just like on a treadmill, if you start to panic, yeah. you can push the big red button and everything stops. <laughs> One easily accessible button <laughs> to stop this whole thing. So he does press it and everything does stop and quite violently and everything starts to sort of explode. This is when the Americans show up, you know, to fashionably late with all their astronauts and they start being, they, they sort of launch all their astronauts into space with laser guns and then Drax launches loads of his yellow uh, spacesuit men. And they all start to have like a, a laser shoot, like shoot off, but yeah. like but while floating around. So it's <laughs> like Star Wars, but they're not in spaceships. Yeah, which I think is sort of what made Star Wars quite good, quite <laughs> believable. What's not believable is about thirty or forty spacemen just floating around trying to shoot each other <laughs> in 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 outer space. That's that's ludicrous. <laughs> I think what they were trying to do is have like a bit of a, a battle in space, a bit of a war. Like a bit of a star war, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, Bond ends up uh, confronting Drax and putting him in the... Um, the air van? A vacuum? <laughs> like the evacu- yeah, the evacuation, emergency evacuation door. Like you just press it and he goes... Yeah. And Drax goes flying off into outer space. Everything explodes, I've written. Jaws sacrifices himself so that, um, that Bond and Goodhead can escape. Jaws speaks for the first time he in the does, entire yeah. thing. I can't remember what he says, can you? He says he's reunited with the woman that he falls in love with. Yeah. And they drink champagne. And he says something like, here's to us. Or yeah, like that's that. it. Yeah. Not really worth it. No. <laughs> uh, just don't speak. Bond and Goodhead chase down these globes and like shoot them, shoot them down before they get to Earth. And they save the day. And then they're floating around in, in their spaceship. Uh, typically, whenever Bond saves the world, he will float around in something shagging um and uh, we get the uh, mi6 and the cia i guess 
We're going to make contact with Bond. We're going to beam it live to the White House <laughs> and Buckingham Palace. And then we just see Bond and Goodhead floating in zero gravity with their blanket on. And what's the, what's the punchline? Um, Q or M or someone says, what's, one, what's Bond doing? <laughs> and he says, I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a, actually a quality dick joke. Yeah. yeah, one of the more quality dick jokes in this film. So there it is, Moonraker. Quite preposterous, certainly in the third act. What, what were your overall thoughts of Moonraker, Mark? Oh, it's quite daft. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a lot of the less good Bond films. It starts off fairly promising. Mm. Then there's a lot of kind of drivel and random stuff happening in the middle of all kinds of wackiness, yeah. like Bond being a cowboy <laughs> Bond driving a boat for through a square for reasons unclear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then it sort of ends quite interestingly. I quite enjoyed the spacey parts, even though I didn't really. There wasn't too much depth to what was the plans no. were or what was going on. But Let's just get in space. I think I enjoyed the um, the similarity to the Aztec level in Goldeneye. <laughs> Obviously, this film came way before. Yeah, but the uh, the people in the yellow suits and. Uh, Kind of yeah. uh, the scenery looked really cool. Yeah, good. Yeah, good sets all around. Uh, you can tell it. I think you can tell this cost thirty-four million. Even in nineteen seventy-nine, obviously there wasn't really the budget didn't really go on special effects. It just went on like location shooting and massive sets, and that that's what they did have in this film, like in in spades. And yeah, really good, really good set design. Really mm. stupid plot slash not really any plot. Yeah. Um, the third act is, is just like you say, kind of spoils the rest of the movie. The first two acts are really quite good, mm. apart from like a bit too much slapstick in the Venice scenes, but like it globe trots, it moves along, it, it pushes along. It doesn't really get too boring as, you know, Bond films are never under two hours and, and sometimes they can get a bit flabby uh, in the middle, like like a middle-aged man. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one kept up the pace quite well, I thought, and was quite fun and interesting. And it is a good laugh if you watch it with a, with a few mates, so... Yeah, despite all, all daftness of shoehorning James Bond into outer space, uh, Moonraker is um, good camp fun. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, I think people who are probably fans of the Roger Moore era probably will have seen this already. But if you if you haven't seen that and you're only familiar with the Daniel Craig Bond films, which are pretty serious to their detriment, I would say, <laughs> go back and check out some some silliness from from Roger Moore and friends. Okay, so uh, next up, we do move on. From 1979 all the way to 2002 with Die Another Day. Uh, and as the rain picks up behind us on the on the <laughs> roof, so we, so we move on to the 20th James Bond film. The fourth and final film that Pierce Brosnan would do uh, after a good uh, seven years as James Bond. And actually the film that would very nearly kill the franchise dead as it would take four years to bring it back with Daniel Craig in a much sort of overhauled, um, tone and approach to mm -hmm. the films. This brings together three three luminaries of of the podcast because we've previously reviewed films with Pierce Brosnan, Halle Berry, and Rosamund Pike, all <laughs> in their own separate terrible films. Yeah. And they've all now converged to make the perfect bad film. So yeah. that should really give you an idea of, of where this is going. But <laughs> first up, Pierce Brosnan, Bron Hom, as previously discussed in The Lawnmower Man <laughs> in a previous episode. And... Um, I would say he's a bit more calm in this film. He actually, as as James Bond, he did play it quite relaxed. And in, in most other films, he's screaming maniac. So yeah. at least at least he plays a subtle Bond, you could say. 
they go for the first of many times they go to the quote demilitarized zone <laughs> of North Korea, I guess between North and South Korea. For a demilitarized zone, there's a lot of tanks and helicopters <laughs> and army people. Um, in fact, we're an army an army base in the demilitarized zone. And so. ironically, they're hiding weapons there. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the definition of demilitarized is in Korea. Probably a very loose one. We're introduced to the uh, one of the main villains of the film, Colonel Moon. And he's kicking the shit out of a, out of a punching bag that's hanging from the ceiling. And then he unzips it and a guy falls out oh, of the yeah. punching bag. So... Ooh, he's, he's hard. And then he, he tells his he tells his soldiers to get him another anger therapist, which is apparently what that is. <laughs> he's joined by his henchman of the film, which is Zhao. We learn that Bond is posing as a sort of a diamond dealer, and that there's going to be a sort of a, a sort of a, a fake arms deal. So we'll swap you, we'll swap you tanks for diamonds or something like that, and then. Also, there's a nice link here to Moonraker straight away. Some some of the tanks are also hovercrafts. <laughs> so I didn't know that was a thing. And the reason why they're hovercrafts is because um, the demilitarized zone of, of Korea has got lots of landmines. So if you go over landmines in a hovercraft, you'll be fine. Uh. One of the, the soldiers that's looking at the diamonds gets a, a multimedia text message on his Sony Ericsson that, that's got a picture of Pierce Brosnan and it says... James Bond, secret agent. He's like, oh. Um, so his cover's blown, and along with that, pretty much everything else is blown. So Colonel Moon blows up the helicopter with an anti-tank gun. James Bond blows up the diamonds by touching his wristwatch. Everything which, just gets which destroyed. Which just kills loads of people. Um, things are blowing up left, right, and centre. The military base blows up, helicopters, tanks. There's a hovercraft chase where... Um, Bond chases down Colonel Moon and Colonel Moon ends up going over the edge of a waterfall but Bond is just able to hold on to this sort of massive um, wooden uh, battering ram and he's hanging off it and it's hitting a massive bell and what does he say? Saved by the bell Saved by the bell (laughs) Uh, I wish I saw coming before it even happened Uh, You probably remember this from uh, when you saw it in the cinema Oh yeah, 16 years ago Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, you've revealed your age on air (laughs) I mean, but no sooner has he been saved than he's immediately captured and uh, taken to a sort of prisoner of war camp in uh, in North Korea. We get this sort of montage then of what happens to him while he is um, in this prison camp. Without a shred of irony, we get a Madonna song played over footage of someone being tortured. <laughs> I mean, undoubtedly. Even if you don't think that this is the worst Bond film, which you should, you can't. No one can deny that the song "Die Another Day" by Madonna is not just the worst Bond theme, but one of the worst pieces of shit. It's awful. Ever created. It's so bad. <laughs> Even for the time in 2002, there was some really awful pop yeah. and dance music, but this is just—it's just this perfect storm of Madonna discovering shit dance music and vocoder and the lyrics are super basic they don't have anything to do with the film like any impact that this the opening of this film had is just destroyed (laughs) by this completely disjointed shit piece of music (laughs) and uh, under this uh, this music we get this sort of terrible cgi of um like scorpions Crawling around, um, sort of people who are made of fire and people who are made of ice. Yeah. To suggest, I don't know what, diamonds, you know, it's just, 
the, the old Bond opening credits were always great because they were not CGI. They were organic, yeah. They yeah. didn't have all these <clears throat> terrible effects. And, yeah. and this is this must be the most digital of them all, and it looks really shit. Yeah. But and it goes on for fucking ever. They play the whole song. Another day. Yeah. Another day. Another day. <laughs> it was towards fucking the end. Stop. Like the, um, stop. It came back in again, and I was just like, "Oh my god, <laughs> why is it still going on?" <laughs> So, I mean, to be fair, it can't possibly get any worse than that, and I, and I would say that it doesn't, <laughs> at least audibly. Um, <laughs> but we, we cut to 14 months later, and Pierce Brosnan is in his prison cell, and he looks like Robinson Crusoe, with, like, really long hair <laughs> and a massive beard to indicate he's been in a prison camp. Mm. General Moon, which is the father of Colonel Moon, is, is in charge now, and he's trying to get some information on a bond, and he sets up a firing squad, and he's like, who's your contact in the West? Somebody has betrayed you. I know who it is. Tell me. And he's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But they end up swapping him. They trade him for Zhao, who, in the time that he's been held in a prison camp, Zhao has also been involved in some terrorism and been captured and brought back to Britain and then trained. <laughs> in 14 months, all of that is happening. Yeah. Um, we get Michael Madsen, for some reason, Yeah. agreed to do this film in a really small role with hardly any speaking time. He must have been pretty down on his luck. I totally didn't expect him to be in In 2002, like... Couldn't remember he would been being. No, it doesn't hardly gets any dialogue at all no. either. So I bet he, I bet he'd rather forget this. <laughs> Scrubbed from his IMDb. <laughs> they they scan James Bond in the quarantine centre, and yes, they can see he has been stung by many scorpions, as suggested in the um in the CGI credits, <laughs> and he has some sort of problem with his liver, which is how that they know oh, that yeah. it's James Bond. It's definitely him. <laughs> Judy Dench here, reprising her role as, as M from the, the previous couple of films. She's not in this too much. She does what she usually turns up to do, um, to revoke his double O status. Yeah. Yeah. What's my mission? You haven't got a mission. You're sacked. Yeah. You're going to have to go off and do stuff on your own, which is what always happens. Prove like, yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah, this always happens. Initially, she says she's going to send him to an evaluation centre in the Falklands. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Um... <laughs> But he manages to um, fake a cardiac arrest. Mm. How the fuck do you do that? <laughs> um, and then uses a defibrillator on the people who come to to kindly resuscitate him. And then nearly shags a woman on the way out of hospital. <laughs> Bear in mind he hasn't shagged anyone yet. And we're about a quarter of an hour in. Yeah. <laughs> so he has to at least suggest that if I weren't escaping from this hospital, I would definitely shag you. And she looks at him like, hmm. <gasps> Alright. The only reason I haven't is because I was in jail for 14 months. Yeah. You would definitely love it, but I haven't got time. Um, I've got to go. So he goes to Cuba, he does what what you would expect him to do. He goes to a cigar factory and um, starts to make some contacts there. Goes to a local bar and has a mojito, as you yeah. do when you're in Cuba, I guess. And then we are introduced to the lovely... Jinx, Halle Berry, walking out of the sea, coming out of the sea in an orange bikini. Now I've got to imagine, like me, Mark, you're seeing this at 13 years old. I'm, <laughs> I'm about 17 years old. This this made a pretty big impact, right? Yeah, yeah. I wonder how long in film time it took from her first being on screen to them having sex. Oh, I think record time for a Bond film. <laughs> 
we're, we're talking a minute and a half maybe less <laughs> as soon as she comes out to see there's this, all this verbal foreplay um, not not even really innuendo it's just like I'm going to be fucking you in a bit yeah I'm sure you will yeah. undoubtedly you will yeah of course <laughs> Let's not even bother us, like pretending it's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but this is the first of um, of many um, references to other James Bond films. Believe it or not, there are nineteen separate references to James Bond f- films in this film to celebrate the twentieth anniversary. Ah. I didn't catch them all, but I caught quite a few. And this is a very obvious one. This is a reference to Doctor No, when Ursula Andress comes out of the sea in her very similar bikini. Yeah. And this is this is Halle Berry's homage to to, to that uh, that scene. She says, I think she says, my friends call me Jinx, and he says, well, my friends call me James Bond. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird deadpan moment. Yeah, um, I don't think it was meant to be funny. It's not exactly the cleverest line. She she quite rightly asks, what do you think you're doing, looking looking at me with massive binoculars? <laughs> um, and he says, well, actually, I'm an ornithologist. Now this is a very um, obscure reference because um, the character James Bond is named after um, an author of ornithology books that Ian Fleming was a fan of, also called James Bond. Oh, okay. So the character of James Bond is named after a guy who wrote about birds who was probably not very cool. Hmm. So that's that's the reference to, to that. Like I said, some very, some very strong innuendo leads to sex within within seconds basically <laughs> they're in bed they're going at it now you, you might have noticed a quite a sexy bit here where um jinx she pulls out a little knife and she's got a fig and she cuts the, the yeah. fig and she starts eating it pretty sexy right mm. but what you didn't see was the take where Halle Berry choked on a fig <laughs> and Pierce Brosnan had to give her the Heimlich maneuver really on set oh yeah. my god yeah. that's ridiculous so less sexy now crazy trivia yeah. <laughs> I had to scroll quite far down IMDB for that one um, also another bit of trivia on how, I don't know how this made the trivia page on IMDB but allegedly Pierce Brosnan was in Ireland promoting the film and someone in a pub came up to him and asked to shake his hand and after he shook his hand the guy said ah that's the closest I'll ever get to Halle Berry's ass." <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope it's true, but I don't think it would be. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they put it in there if it wasn't. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I would have hate if that weren't true. But um, <clears throat> so there you go, some interesting Halle Berry trivia. And uh, she also had to leave shooting during this film to go and accept her Oscar, which we mentioned uh, at length when we reviewed her in uh, in Catwoman. Yeah, which she didn't win an Oscar for, but she did. She was still riding high off of her Oscar win at this point. She yeah. just won an Oscar, and then she would do Die Another Day in Catwoman and Gothica, which we mentioned. Razzies. Yeah, which we talked about on our Superhero spin-off episode, one of our early episodes. You can check that out. We did Catwoman and Supergirl. We talk about the uh, the highs and lows of Halle Berry quite a bit there, so <laughs> I, w- I won't go into it all again. But um, needless to say, she's got some, some questionable performance in this film again. <laughs> now, there's a, a series of scenes here where it's just... James Bond barging into someone's house or room and saying, Buenos dias. <laughs> and, then, and then going again. Uh, he walks, he goes to this like private clinic in Cuba, which is where Zao has been spotted. He walks past a series of mirrors, like a hall of mirrors, which I think is a reference to the man with the golden gun. 
Now Zhao is there getting plastic surgery to turn him into a white guy. Yeah. Yeah, which will come uh, yeah. which will come up again. But he's got diamonds embedded in his face from when the C4 went off in the briefcase. And then we're introduced to, to really the main uh, villain of the film, a guy called Gustav Graves, who is a sort of a, a billionaire sort of playboy character who um, who deals in diamonds, which have come up quite a bit in this film. Mm. But yeah, we're introduced to uh, the third of our, uh, of our triple threat here, Rosamund Pike. Mm. Playing Miranda Frost in this one, uh, Rosamund Pike. We uh, we talked about her performance in Doom on our video game um, mm. episode that we did a while back, and it was it was pretty terrible in that. It's pretty mm. terrible in this as well. <laughs> to be fair, this is her very first performance ever, so she will, I guess, get better one day. <laughs> um, I, I lost I lost track of her after Doom. I don't know what she's doing now. <laughs> if anyone if anyone uh, knows if she's gotten better, let us know. Um, if she's got worse then please <laughs> we're more interested <laughs> definitely please get in touch at Schlock Tactics and let us yeah. know about that as if it wasn't bad enough being subjected to the music of Madonna we are now subjected to the acting of Madonna <laughs> <sighs> she plays a character I believe is called Verity who is a fencing instructor now considering that she only gets about two minutes of screen time here yeah. this film was won or nominated for three Razzies, and they were all because of Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> so in two minutes, in two minutes, she was able to to win. <laughs> she was able to win the award for the worst supporting actress in like a minute and a half, two minutes of dialogue. <laughs> and she was also nominated. I think this is a bit unfair. The worst actress of the decade. <laughs> For two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> I wow. mean, I don't know. I don't know whether they're taking other films into account. I don't think she's done many films. Um, <laughs> and of course, she was nominated for worst original song. Which I think, if anything, she should have won the worst original song, not, not the worst actress of the decade. <laughs> two minutes for a whole decade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fucking, not even Halle Berry can do that. Like. <laughs> and she she also won uh, some awards at the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, which I've not heard of. <laughs> Again, worst supporting actress, most distracting celebrity cameo appearance, worst song or song performance in a film. <laughs> so yeah, if you look at the list of awards for this film, they are mostly credited to Madonna, <laughs> and they are mostly not good. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't think I can really even describe what she does in two minutes, but, I mean, it is it is definitely not great. Uh, the only only bit I remember is where she's talking about uh, Miranda Frost, Rosamund Pike. Um, she, ne- she nearly took... I um, know oh she she'd won the gold medal at the Sydney Olympic Games, and uh, Bond says, well, that was by default, though, wasn't it? And then Madonna says, well, yes, because her opponent OD'd on steroids... OD'd on steroids. <laughs> what the fuck is ODing on steroids? I, I've never heard of that, and I am a, I am a big fan of professional wrestling. And I have never heard of anyone ODing on steroids. But yeah, that's uh, that's all this fencing is about. Graves, uh, Gustav Graves challenges Bond to a fencing match, and this is this is what my brother would call willy waving in the extreme. <laughs> this is uh, macho bullshit. Yeah. 
and it starts off with fencing with masks on and then it gets a bit more serious and they take the masks off and then they start using actual swords like cutlasses then they start using like medieval broadswords. We we really get a history of the sword in, in in two minutes in this fight sequence. The rules are traditional: first blood drawn from the torso. Um, like I said, cutlasses, samurai swords, broadswords, all sorts of shit going on here. It's it's quite a fun little fight sequence if you know overblown and ridiculous. And um, Bond ends up winning, draws blood from the torso. And then gets invited to Iceland um, for the demonstration of the Icarus project that, that Gustav is going to be doing. <clears throat> we get John Cleese and his gadgets. Yeah, John Cleese is actually his first time being Q. Uh, the world is not enough. He played exactly the same character, but was called R. Hmm. I don't know why. Which is weird. Yeah. To get to this bit, uh, you have to go into an abandoned tube station, which is the secret MI6 base that nobody knows about. <laughs> There's this sort of. Um, simulation software again virtual reality Pierce Brosnan has been here before yeah. um, but he, he's this simulation program where he can like it looks like M is getting held hostage and he shoots the uh, the guy holding her hostage and then you think M has been shot and then it all he takes off his VR glasses and it's all it's all a test it's all yeah. a training sequence this is the stuff he was going to be doing in the Falklands perhaps more high tech here in, in London <laughs> It would have been chasing sheep in the Falklands, maybe. <laughs> we get a bunch of references to old Bond films stuffed in here. We get the the jetpack from Thunderball that Sean Connery once hilariously uh, piloted. We get the shoe from from Russia with Love with the little knife that comes out of the the toe. Yeah. You can stab people with it. And we get the main gadget for this film, which is the the Aston Martin Vanquish, or should I say Vanish, <laughs> because it's an invisible car. Yeah. Uh, we find out that Miranda Frost, who's like the, the PA for Gustav Graves, is also an MI6 agent. And she's uh, having a chat with um, with Judy Dench. Mm. She's really hyped up on her ability to resist the sexual advances of James Bond. <laughs> this is how an interview goes um, if you're applying to work with James Bond. It's, it's w- would you? <laughs> and she goes, definitely not. Definitely not. I would never shag James Bond. Will she or won't she? We'll, we'll find out later. Bond goes to Iceland. Miranda Frost is also there with Gustav Graves, but undercover. And uh, Jinx is also there. Halle Berry's popped pop back up as well from, from Cuba. She's resurfaced in Iceland somehow. <laughs> and then we finally get... I'm not going to be generous and call it a twist, but we get the reveal that um, Gustav Graves is actually Colonel Moon. <laughs> he is a Korean man who's had genetic therapy to turn him into a white man complete with a posh white accent yeah very strange i mean i know i know it we saw earlier that sal was going to be made into a, a white bloke but i i think anybody watching that for the first time would be like oh well that's obviously not going to happen but then we realized that for this whole film gustav graves was colonel moon and he was never killed in korea he was just taken away to become a, um like a richard branson type character yeah <clears throat> which is kind of unexpected I wouldn't say is a massive twist but um, I feel sorry for the, the actual Korean actor who was sort of must have been told he, he was going to be playing the the main Bond villain yeah. and then maybe got about a third of the way through the script and was like <laughs> so who's who's Gustav Graves then? <laughs> <laughs> sorry we decided to use oh, a white shit. British shit yeah yeah we lost confidence in the, in the <laughs> North Korean villain halfway through sorry 
Bond raises an alarm by accident because he's a shit spy. He bumps into uh, into Miranda around the corner, and they did they did what a lot of people do in films when they're being chased by people. They start getting off with each other because <laughs> what you can never do in films is interrupt anybody who's kissing. <laughs> like, isn't that the guy we're meant to be chasing? Well, maybe, but he's getting off with a woman, so we should probably leave him alone. Why does this always happen in films? <laughs> There's someone coming, kiss me, and then they won't recognise me. You know, it's it's bizarre. <laughs> Miranda still still claiming to resist the the charms of Bond says I know what you're like sex for dinner death for breakfast <laughs> which is actually a legitimately quite good line um, and what what happens next they have sex <laughs> <laughs> for dinner <laughs> yeah well I'm not going to have sex with you okay oh maybe I will yeah. as happens in every Bond film you know I mean at least she put up a little bit of a a little bit of reluctancy. <laughs> To this this sexual predator um but there you go bond shags frost as expected while jinx sleuths about he confronts graves um and then miranda comes in and also points a gun at graves but then she turns and she points the gun at bond and we realize that miranda was always a double agent she was never working for mi6 and she was the one who got him captured in korea and all this all coming it's all coming out now hmm. Bond uses one of his, his favourite gadgets in this film, which is the ring that he wears around his finger, which if you twist it and put it onto glass, it'll make the entire pane of glass shatter, which is quite cool. I think it's probably the best gadget in this film. Yeah. Luckily, he's on a glass floor, so he can just lean down, press the floor, and away you, <laughs> away you go. Bond gets in the super-fast car that um, he's able to escape from the solar death ray. But then he gets to the edge of a cliff and he's hanging off the edge of the cliff and all these bits of metal are hanging off of the really fast car. Oh, what's he going to do? And I think probably many people have seen this scene in the film if they haven't seen anything else. <laughs> this is the scene where James Bond grabs a large curved piece of metal and he, he's, would you call it wakeboarding or parasailing? Uh, kite surfing, I suppose. Kite surfing. Call it what you will. He surfs on a bit of metal with a parachute that he got from somewhere. Yeah. Or from the car, I guess. It's this is peak ridiculousness <laughs> of this film. Like, I would say it's on a par with films like Ice Age or Happy Feet for how much reality is on screen. Yeah. The the only thing that is live action here is a little bit of James Bond's face <laughs> squinting. Everything else is completely digital and it's 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 of the time 2002 people were going fucking mental with green screens and this is what was happening here yeah this is pierce brosnan's face superimposed upon a, a video game basically hmm. i thought this would have been a good time to end the film to be honest yeah started, but that didn't happen started to drag after this yeah it dragged on here we went back to korea uh jinx and and bond in infiltrate gustav graves's plane uh, Graves has got this power armor on for some reason. He finally reveals to uh, General Moon that he is in fact his son. I am a Korean man. I am your son. Um, his father's not really happy with this, so he kills him. <laughs> <laughs> it goes off the rails now. There's there's some actually there's two quite good fight sequences, hand to hand fight sequences. Bond fights Graves, complete with his electrocuting power armor. And then what I really quite enjoyed was Miranda and Jinx have a fight on the airplane where like Miranda's got like a sword and, and she's she looks like a villain from like a, a Japanese anime. 
Yeah. And Jinx looks like Colonel Guile. <laughs> she's got like a green vest and like cargo trousers on and she's got little knives and stuff. I thought it was kind of quite video game and ridiculous, but yeah. I quite enjoyed it. I thought they put on a much better fight than the men did. Hmm. The men are just wrestling around being zapped by like purple lightning every now and then. Yeah. <laughs> Graves gets chucked at the side of the plane into the jet engine. Um, and Bond says, you know, it's say hello to gravity or something like that. <laughs> Time to face gravity. Face gravity, something shit. And then you've got the bit of money penny at the end. Oh, yeah. The simulation. Yeah, money. You see, uh, Very fi- random. finally, money penny and, and uh, James Bond start to get off with each other. And it's then revealed she was just using the VR goggles from yeah. earlier on in the film. Yeah. And that's it. What the purpose of this A was? Strange way to end the film. <laughs> and then we get the remix of Madonna over the title over oh, the end yeah. credits <laughs> at which point we just had to leave the room <laughs> and um, compose ourselves yeah so here it is what what a mess die another day what what are your overall impressions of this film oh like? it's a it's a mess <laughs> as you've said there's loads of action but it's just there's the, the, the story if there is one is very vague doesn't really like add up (laughs) Um, it drags on at the end yeah it's just pants (laughs) yeah absolutely it was terrible then and it's terrible now it is you know one of the worst films ever made I don't know if it's a low point for 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 Brosnan Berry and Pike Uh, that's perhaps another discussion but it's certainly it certainly goes to show that as individuals they are all terrible yeah and when you combine them you get a terrible film. <laughs> so if anyone doubted that, they, they know it now. We've, we've, we've covered it. Yeah, like you say, it's just all noise, really, isn't it? It's all things blowing up every two minutes. But, like, if that was a Schwarzenegger film, it would be great. But because this is 2002 and it's meant to be a James Bond film, it's not great. And the one-liners are not funny. They're all universally terrible. Pretty much all the dialogue is terrible, all the way through. Yeah. And it's delivered terribly. The exception of Judy Dench is okay. John Cleese obviously is fine, but they're still they're, they're the bit players. Mm. They're not able to give such a memorable performance in two minutes as Madonna was able to. Yeah, it's just all noise all the way through. Nonsense plot, nonsense acting, nonsense dialogue. A lot of the characters um, are just pretty <clears throat> crap, like yeah. the villains and stuff. <laughs> it's kind of a, a it's a parody of a James Bond film, but even more than. Roger Moore's worst or Sean Connery's worst yeah. Moonraker and Diamonds Are Forever are sort of parodies of, of Bond films mm-hmm. but this is like even like Austin Powers is better than this you know <laughs> and that is a, obviously a very deliberate parody of these films but I think perhaps you, you catch Bond here in an awkward in between uh, between Austin Powers films made James Bond films look ridiculous but before the Daniel Craig films would make them look legitimate again so mm. It's this sort of wasteland, unfortunately, for, for Pierce Brosnan that, that did away with him as James Bond and it would take quite a few years to get the um, the franchise back on track. So, If you had to send one of these films to an evaluation centre in the Falklands <laughs> or send one of these films into outer space to be preserved for future generations, which would you send to the Falklands? Which would you send to space? I think I would send Die Another Day to the Falklands. Yeah. And I would send Moonraker to be preserved. Um, <laughs> I think Die Another Day is the worst Bond film. Yeah. But for me, I prefer 
the badness to be that kind of campy old style of Bond. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I get a bit more enjoyment in a fun way rather than just thinking this is trashy and <laughs> like I don't have any desire to see this again. Just unredeemable. Whereas Moonraker, yeah. I would actually watch again. And yeah. It is like slow and a bit boring in places, <clears throat> but it's generally uh, quite enjoyable, even though it's campy and ridiculous yeah. and silly and. Schlocky. But that was kind of the genre of Bond films back then in the seventies yeah. and yeah, yeah, late seventies, early eighties. <clears throat> Bond was, yeah. was kind of what was happening. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I actually, I sort of double think whether maybe I, we should have done Diamonds Are Forever now because I watched Moonraker again. I thought it was quite good. <laughs> yeah, quite enjoyed it. <laughs> I remembered it being crap, and it often shows up in lists as being a crap James Bond film. But for the most part, I thought it was quite good fun. Yeah, it's not but, bad. Like you say, our, our perceptions of of bad films and good films have been very warped particularly since doing this podcast yeah I would say you could maybe check the third act of Moonraker in the bin and I'd be quite happy with that mm. but die another day I would be happy to check it all in the bin <laughs> <clears throat> there's nothing good about this nothing redeemable it's just a waste of time waste of space waste of money yeah Moonraker may have cost 34 million but um, it was pretty fun so yeah did you know actually they, they considered doing a spin-off of die another day with just Jinx in the film Really? Ali Berry, yeah. <laughs> Queen of the spin-offs. Um, they were considering doing that, but the poor box office performance of Diana the Day put uh, put a stop to that. But Halle Berry has gone on record as saying she would still like to play Jinx again in a Bond film, <laughs> or any film. And she said she'll do it for free. What? Yeah. Is she desperate? Like... I think so. <laughs> Uh, if anyone wants to make that film, Halle Berry will do it for free. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll make that film if Halle Berry still still wants to come and do it. Um, we'll, we'll film it in Bristol here. It'll be great. But yeah, she's, she's still out there and she still wants to do a Jinx film, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think maybe she'll have to pay to do it. Mm. Um, yeah, that character is doomed by this film. <laughs> so recommendations in terms of Bond films. Uh, I have a very simple formula for everyone out there. Uh, if it has the word gold or golden in the title, it's fucking brilliant. So that's Goldfinger, Golden Eye, and Man with the Golden Gun. And also if it has the word live or living in the title, it's also pretty fucking brilliant. So that's You Only Live Twice, Live and Let Die, and The Living Daylights. Those six Bond films are pretty much the cream of the crop and, and, and pretty much all you need. And The Spy Who Loved Me is, is brilliant as well. So I would, I would chuck that one in there as well. So, uh, if you want to let us know what you thought of uh, either of these films, let us know what you think is the worst Bond film, is the best Bond film, who's your favourite Bond, uh, get in touch and let us know. Uh, you can get in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, at Schlock Tactics. We did get a little bit of feedback here on Instagram from Lee Shannon 81 Gives us a bit of trivia. Apparently, Die Another Day cost $142 million to make, and he's convinced that the filmmakers spent most of that money on drugs. And gives us a quote from Roger Moore about Die Another Day. I thought it went too far, and that's from me, the first Bond in space. So a bit of savagery there from Sir Roger Moore. Subscribe to the podcast. We uh, release usually two episodes a month, and you'll be the first to know when we do uh, release those. And if you could uh, give us a five-star rating on iTunes, that would also be great. But yeah, that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics, the James Bond special. We'll be back uh, again in two weeks with our Christmas special, um, which you'll definitely want to check out while you're you're off over the festive period. That'll be one for you to to stick on while you're uh, putting up the decorations or uh, cooking a Christmas dinner. 
um, that will be coming out very shortly so uh, do subscribe keep an eye on our on our social media and you'll you'll see what's what's going to be coming up with that one but that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics my name has been Ash and I've been joined by Mark thank you for listening and we'll see you again next time bye bye